Coming up, a tricky take on a coming-of-age story. A book about a Native American girl and her dragon. Plus, our distraction of the week. I'm Mel. I'm Dave. This is the Library of Lost Time. In our Strong Sense of Place episode about museums, I recommended a book I loved called Metropolitan Stories by Christine Coulson. She worked at the Met in New York for more than 25 years, so she knows that place inside out. And her first novel unfolds through a series of interconnected vignettes that bring the objects in the museum to life, sometimes literally. That book has been near the top of my TBR since you talked about it back then. You really should treat yourself to reading this book. It's one of my favorite books that I've read for Strong Sense of Place. Yo, the Boca Flood's coming up. That would be an excellent time to read this book. There you go. In her new novel, One Woman Show, she's experimenting again with the novel form. You know the little placards next to the works of art in a museum? Yeah, sure. I know them because every time we go to a museum, we read every single one of them. Every word? Yeah. Usually, they have the title of the piece and the date, along with a short description of the work to give it context. Yeah, in a certain language, museum language. Yes. When Christine Coulson wrote those for the Met, she had a strict 75-word limit on each label. And in an interview, she talked extensively about the challenge of writing for those and how one of the exhibits she worked on, the curator wanted all of the exhibit to have the same voice. So she had to write all of those placards. And the way she did it was to talk to each curator who had chosen the piece and get everything they knew about it and then distill it down to 75 words. So she explained how you can only pick one story and it's only telling one story of this complex history of this object. Yeah. Which brings me to this book. The entire story is told through those little museum wall tags. So reading it is like visiting an exhibition about one woman's life. Oh, that's cool. So the conceit is that she's taken the life of a person and blown it out into a gallery. Yes. Metaphorically speaking, our heroine Kitty is like a porcelain vase. Yeah. She is, for better and for worse, an object. So we meet Kitty when she's five years old in 1911. And her first little wall label describes her as, quote, a pretty thing entitled to pretty things. This is not the last time in her life that Kitty will be treated as an object. She is acquired, she is displayed, or she's hidden away over and over again. It's really remarkable how much detail Coulson packs into these museum labels. They have for me a really compelling forward momentum. I couldn't wait to turn the page and see what the next little sign had in store for Kitty. Yeah. And I found it really emotionally engaging. From the beginning, Kitty's labels indicate she belongs to someone else's collection. First, it's her parents, Martha and Harrison Whitaker, also known as Minty and Wit. <laughs> Later, it's husband number one, and then husband number two. You never see her name when it's not attached to somebody else's. Right. And as she ages and moves from collection to collection, her varnish is chipped and her perceived value decreases. But don't despair. It is not all gloomy. There is some sharp humor at work here. 
There were plenty of moments that made me snort or harumph or laugh, and I sighed a few times on Kitty's behalf. I was really emotionally engaged with this book. Reviews on it are mixed. (laughs) Yeah, I could see how it would be. Yeah, it seems pretty polarizing. Yeah. And I think, you know, the commitment to the storytelling form could easily have tipped over into too gimmicky or too show-offy. But for me, I found the reading experience really impactful. I was emotionally invested. While it was kind of like tickling that part of my brain that gets engaged when you go to a museum and you're trying to like read between the lines of those 75 words to understand what's going on. Yeah. If you are curious at all, I encourage you to give it a go. I'm going to put a link in the show notes to the interview and reading with the author. Hearing her talk about how and why she wrote the book the way she did is really, really interesting. It's a short book. I devoured it in about 90 minutes. So it's a short-term commitment for potentially a really big payoff because I read it a week ago and I'm still thinking about it. That's One Woman Show by Christine Coulson. It is now late December, and one of my favorite things to do at the end of the year is read everyone's best of the year lists. I spend way too much time poking around NPR and Kirkus and The Guardian. It feels like a really nicely collated bookstore has shown up in my browser. (laughs) And it would be rude not to pay attention to it. Definitely. And I'm interested in a lot of things. And then I spend too much time filling up my already full TBR instead of reading something. Collecting books and reading books are two different hobbies, and it's okay to have both. Yeah. One of the books that jumped out to me this week is To Shape a Dragon's Breath by Monoquil Black Goose. This is a story about a girl, a Native American girl. She lives in a 19th century version of America where Europeans have taken the East Coast and built trains and universities, but also there are dragons. That sounds really fun. Yeah. The girl, Aniquis, finds a dragon egg, and with her tribe, she hatches that dragon, and their plan is to raise the dragon as a community. But the colonizers, cleverly called the English, have laws about this kind of thing. Future dragoneers have to train at an academy. So off our girl travels to go elbow to elbow with her colonizers, and they tell her that either she learns to control the dragon or they will have to kill it. Mm. Yeah. So I like that premise. But I was attracted to the book because of the ferocity of the people who love it. (laughs) Oh, that's really nice. Yeah. Many people thought it was the best book of the year, including a reporter for the Washington Post. NPR loved it. The Chicago Post loved it. There was a lot of talk about how rich the world is and how the author, who herself is Native American, has a lot to say about colonizers, as you might imagine. Some people thought it was preachy and a bit long, but If this sounds like your thing, or you know someone who's of a good age for a bit of mischief with dragons and colonizers, this might be the right book. It's To Shape a Dragon's Breath by Monoquil Black Goose. And now our distraction of the week. Brian Bilston is a British poet. Yeah. I found his work on Twitter, along with hundreds of thousands of other people. Yeah, you are not alone. I am not. The Irish Times called him the Poet Laureate of Twitter. Although I guess now he's the Poet Laureate of X. Mm. We'll stick with Twitter. Yeah. There are two things I really enjoy about his poems. First, their physical form is an important feature. 
the words often make shapes or appear in Venn diagrams. Sometimes the words look like they're falling off of the page. And all of that is done for a very specific reason. Yeah, it's kind of following E.E. E. Cummings and that. Yes, and I also love E.E. E. Cummings. Yeah. The poems work when you read them out loud as well, but there's that added layer when you see them on the page. Yeah. And second, they're really accessible and often funny, but usually have a layer of pensiveness about them too. So you're kind of chuckling and then like you kind of get stabbed in the heart with a little poignancy. I have all of his books on my Kindle, including one called Days Like These, which has a poem for every day of the year. My intent is to read one of those poems every morning in 2024 instead of looking at Twitter. Oh, that's a nice Even idea. though he is the poet laureate of Twitter, sure. I'm going to put Twitter aside and read his book instead. Yeah. Just in time for Christmas, he released a collection of 51 holiday poems called And So This Is Christmas. It includes a poem about Yola Boca Flood, a collection of haikus about Christmas songs, and one poem called The Office Christmas Party, which is as humorously grim as you would think. <laughs> This is a fun book to dip in and out of, and it would make a great gift for people who love Christmas and also for people who don't. Walking both sides of the aisle there. He is. On Twitter this week, he shared a poem that's not in the collection, but I think it should be. It's called The Christmas To-Do List. In his introduction, he wrote, There's always so much to do at this time of year, but what can really help is to write a well-defined to-do list of what you might realistically achieve in your day. Here's my list. Now, as a celebration of having way too much to do this weekend, <laughs> Dave will read us the poem. Yeah, so here it is. Here's Christmas to-do list. Delay. Defer. Equivocate. Make some tea. Procrastinate. Look at phone. Stroke the cat. Readjust the thermostat. Dawdle. Dither. Hem and haw. Eat mince pie. Chew my jaw. Write a card. Spin on chair. Play six games of solitaire. Take a break. Make a brew. Review my list of things to do. Eat mince pie. Paper scrunch. Stroke the cat. Have some lunch. Prioritize new tasks to shirk. More cups of tea and less housework. Look at phone. Spin on chair. Eat mince pie, loiter, stare. Consider shopping, have quick doze. Rest mince pie on bridge of nose. Stroke the cat, take a break. Write a card, eat some cake. Spin phone, mince cat, stroke tea, wallow. Write to-do list for tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Isn't that nice? I would like to hang out and talk with you guys some more, but there is a plate of cookies calling my name from the kitchen, and I need to go check that out. But before we go, a very happy holiday to you. May all of your books be excellent. May your tea be exactly the right temperature. And may you never get a tummy ache from eating too many cookies. Visit strongsenseofplace.com slash library for more on the books we talked about today and more info about the poet Brian Bilston. Thanks for joining us in the Library of Lost Time. Remember to visit your local library and your independent bookstore to lose some time yourself. Stay curious. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>